Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to The Other Identity, your favorite podcast about all things comic book and all things superhero. I am the great Landis, Robbie Landis, along with me, as always, Ben Morse, a.k.a. Professor Awesome. Ben, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, uh, Robbie. I'm very excited about the conversation we're going to have today on The Other Identity, um, and I'm just, you know, enjoying life here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, the entertainment capital of the world. Um, <laughs> as things slowly start to open back up, I start to push myself to open back up with them and find myself exhausted. I, I was, I went out yesterday for the first time in quite some time. I, I, a friend of mine recently had a baby, so I went and met their new baby. Um, and wow. Yeah. Thrilling. This, yeah. Thrill, yeah. This is the thrilling, thrilling world of, adult, of adulthood. Uh, you'll you'll get here eventually, um, I hope but not. but no, it was awesome. I got to go and you know see buddies, and that was awesome. But I I'll tell you, dude, I was exhausted afterwards. Just hanging out with a three week old for an hour was just it 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 was it was a sad state of affairs. But I'm glad that I got out, and I'm glad that I'm slowly resuming life. Is uh is my long winded way of saying it. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. And you, of course, did mention that we have a very exciting conversation coming up today later in the show. We have a special returning guest Mm -hmm. who's going to be joining us for today's episode, which is going to be all about pride and celebrating the LGBTQ plus scene and uh, side of the world of our society. So I hope you look forward to that. Uh, Before we jump into that, though, before we find out who our special guest is, though, of course, I do want to talk a little bit about what we've been reading Recently, uh, uh, I know that you have just recently jumped into the Immortal Hulk, yes. which I also saw that the end of the Immortal Hulk is going to be coming with issue fifty. I did not know that. You are this yeah. is li- this is a live reaction to me. You, that it's going to come with issue fifty. I am the lead, That's and you are not. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, thanks for <laughs> using that. You know what? I'm almost okay with that because I'm a big fan of stories with the beginning, middle, and the end in comics, and this. Just to real quick, I, I I dove into Immortal Hulk a little late. I'm only up to about issue 15 or so, um, and I know they're they're past issue 25. But it's just such an amazing horror comic. It's such a scary like. It feels like a natural way to take the character of the Hulk, who is a monster, and suddenly surround him with the trappings of a horror movie. But at the same time. I want to see the end of this story. I want to see what the the cap is. So I'm I'm surprisingly okay with the news you just dropped on my doorstep that uh, Mortal Hulk's going to be ending with 50 because I think that gives Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, and their team a chance to tell the story they want to tell. It's the same way when uh, when a TV show comes to an end because of the creator's decision rather than because of ratings. It makes me happy because I know I'm getting a complete story. Well, news along with that is that the Immortal She-Hulk has Mm. also been announced. So, uh, you know, you have that to look forward to as well. Uh, As for myself, I've taken a break from the DC side of comics, the Rebirth Era Challenge that we've been doing. And I've been trying to immerse myself in a lot more uh, Marvel stuff. Uh, It seems like just about everything that I read... Uh, has been Kelly Thompson. Yep. Uh, I'll, just talk, I'll, t- I'll, I'll talk more about the Jessica Jones stuff, which I'm right in the middle of uh, on one of our future episodes. Uh, but specifically what I just finished wrapping up was both Infinity Countdown and Infinity Wars, which, you know, I never tried to give this a chance when it was first announced, it was first happening, because the idea of, like, Civil War 2 or, like, Infinity Wars 2, there was just something about it, and, 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 and this is completely unfair of me as well, that made me think, like, oh, it's just a rehash or, or like, you know, it's not going to be the original type thing, right? I don't know. There was just something about my mindset that was like, nah, not interested. And I have to say that I am actually 
really, really impressed with a lot of the decisions, uh, a lot of the art and just the creativity overall that they were able to do. Staying within the spirit of the Infinity Wars, but also doing something different. I was very, very impressed with that team. Yeah, uh, Jerry Duggan, who wrote Infinity Wars, is a, is, is, is a pal and an incredibly just talented, gifted creator who I think doesn't take any days off. And when he's handed a concept, even if it is a sequel or something in the vein of a story that's come before, he makes it his own and he pushes original ideas. And I like that story as well. I'm glad you're getting into it. So uh, without further ado, we do have a special guest waiting for us. So we're going to be right back with that. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college, esports, and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team. Or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships, and we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus. Hey, what's up? I'm Robbie from Checkpoint XP. And I'm Jake from the Overwatch League casting team. And together, we're your hosts of the Owl's Nest. With the Overwatch League up and running again, we'll be bringing you all the latest from the league and within Overwatch. But it's important that we all do our part to flatten the curve by staying home during the COVID-19 outbreak. So stay home. Stay healthy. And we'll see you every Friday night on the Owl's Nest before the Overwatch League weekend. Check it out at the Checkpoint XP YouTube channel or at CheckpointXP.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to The Other Identity. We had promised you a special guest this episode. And joining us, not for the first time, but back once again, I'd like to welcome a once host of The Other Identity, Callie Sloan. Callie, welcome back to the show. Oh, it's like coming home. This feels great. <laughs> well, it's about to feel even better because you know you've you you left us, but you know it was to go and spread your rings to do to do other things for the organization for Checkpoint XP. Your influence and your touch has been felt across all of the different projects. So you know, I I felt because we have been fostering uh, uh, what I like to call the other identity uh, League of America here on the show that I think that you deserve. A new moniker, mostly because I don't remember what your original one was, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't a very good one. So, uh, the one that I had came up with for you, and you may take it or come up with your own if you want, but due to the fact that you take on so many roles within our organization and do so much for us, I think that you should be the Mistress Unmasked. Ooh, <laughs> yes! I am all about that one. I mean, talk about 
you know, living my life with masks on. Yeah, I am, I am into that name. Yes, Mistress Unmasked. I'll take it. That's right. So uh, today on The Other Identity, of course, this is going to be our Pride episode. So we wanted to take a moment and hence, of course, Callie joining us here to talk about some of, some of the LGBTQ plus representation in comics. And specifically the ones that we wanted to tackle or talk about a little bit today was the uh, rebirth run of Batwoman, or really any of Batwoman, uh, as well as, uh, Ben, specifically you had picked out uh, the Iceman five-issue run from 2018. So, yeah, that that's a little bit of the shorter one. Uh, why don't we go ahead and start by diving into Iceman and and why you wanted to talk about him here today? Well, I wanted to talk about it specifically because it's not it, it, Iceman 2018 is probably the most accessible. You could just jump right in. It's written by Cena Grace. It's a great spotlight on the character. But really, the evolution of Iceman over the past five or six years, and there's been several books written featuring him since then whether it was brian bendis's work on uncanny x-men the initial iceman series by cena grace or this most recent limited series it's been interesting to see you know a lot of times we'll get new characters introduced who have sexual orientation representing queer or wherever they want to be but iceman was a different case in the fact that this is a character who's been around since the 60s and it was a new twist to introduce that hey he is gay, um, and we're going to use that moving forward. And to me, it's been one of the, it's been a really good representation of not just a superhero, but a gay man trying to kind of negotiate the Marvel universe, which I've really enjoyed. Not as a, you know, as as a straight person who's just interested in this and interested in reading good stories. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring it to the attention. Um, the other thing about Iceman was I have the personal connection of. Iceman has always been my favorite X-Men character um, since I was a kid. And I always just liked the kind of class clown, you know, irresponsible joking guy. But when Brian Bendis made the decision that we're going to reveal that Bobby Drake is gay, I remember at the time working there, a lot of people, not in a bad way, but just expressed to me the same opinion. And that was, are you okay with this? Which to me was ridiculous. <laughs> but well, the idea, yeah. Go ahead. Ben, let me let me ask. I mean, so as a huge fan of Iceman, would you say the revelation that he is gay uh, ruined your childhood? Because <laughs> I got to tell you, I talked to a lot of people who, th- who thought, felt like that was the case. No, because, and, there, and, and, and Kelly, I'm glad you brought that up, is because the thing to me was this was a character who had always been great, but in my, in my estimation had never been complete. And this made total sense to me. Like, Bobby Drake had been in a variety of relationships with women that never worked out, and it always felt like there was something not being expressed on his side. And having, you know, friends, acquaintances, co-workers who had been through that similar experience, that was their story. They, they, Because I think a lot of people were like, but he's been with women, how can he be gay? Um, to me, it was just like, no, that's that's an experience in the real world where as you struggle to find your own identity, you try to fit into this box but it never feels quite right. And to me, that was the Iceman story. This was a character who was perfect to explore this experience with because it was a character who never quite felt comfortable in his own skin. And being able to read the newer stuff, no, it did not ruin my childhood. It enhanced it enhanced the stories I had already read, but also provided these incredible new stories moving forward. So I was happy. I was like, this is the best thing for the character, and it's going to give a spotlight to a way of life that is different and that I think people need to be exposed to. 
Well, and I think what I appreciated most from this, uh, the, the, the 2018, uh, the five issues that, that I had recently read, uh, uh, you know, at your... Uh, um, Command. I'm blanking on words right now. Yes, demand, at yeah. your demand. Um, you know, uh, as I'm reading it, is I didn't feel like the Iceman that I was used to was was any different. Like, like, like him, you know, coming out as gay didn't suddenly change the character like right. a lot of people seem to think. Like, oh, it's ruined it somehow. You know, uh, uh, there was one particular uh, scene right at the very beginning where he's talking about how hard the dating world is and it shows him in a club uh, uh, trying to use a line on some other guy where he has like a glass slipper that he created and he's like, did yeah. you drop this, right? Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, there's another great scene too where he meets uh, 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 Firestar and uh, Spidey, you know, in the park or, or, or somewhere, you know, on their respective dates and nothing really seemed all that different about him. I think that, that that's something that, that I have a hard time grasping when people have issues with, you know, characters coming out or, or, or having changes. Because when I read these issues, you know, a lot of people are like, well, how am I supposed to uh, uh, relate? Completely brain farting today. Yes, <laughs> how am I supposed to relate to this character now because I'm not gay? And these... Stories are still human stories, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in 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 the 2018 Iceman, you know, he's trying to help uh, Emma Frost, whose brother, who's also gay, you know, has been taken by their father, and you know, I think the father tried to force him into conversion therapy. Yep. And you know, just caring about a sibling who is being tortured and abused by a parent—that's a universal I mean, how, experience. Exactly. Everyone should be able to relate to that. Well, and I think that's kind of what's important as we see these characters. That aren't just, Ben, you'd kind of hinted at it, rather than a new character being made that, you know, represents this, this you know, identity, which can, I mean, it can go either way, right? You can sometimes have a character who's made who is very interesting and, you know, it's kind of subtle. And then sometimes you get the gender bender <laughs> or something like that. Snowflake and like, in safe space. Yeah. yeah, snowflake and safe space. Well, they're not even not, out yet, so let's not, <laughs> I know, let's not I don't judge wanna, yet. Like, but, but the way that, that everyone, you know, whether it was the LBGT, uh, uh, LBGTQ plus community or the community at large, a lot of them looked at that and immediately thought, "Ugh, virtue signaling." I don't. I just think to me, there's so, there's something about there's, there's a difference. We've talked about it on this show on various subjects. If a story makes sense and it's not being told just for the sake of telling it, that's what I like. For me, Iceman. If you looked at sixty years of stories and thought, would he potentially be a gay man who just hasn't come out? Yes, it makes sense. If tomorrow. Like Superman, who's, you know, happily married to Lois Lane and has a child with her, decides like, oh, yo, I think I'm gay. Um, If there's a good story behind it, I'll read it. But that feels like that's just a gratuitous, let's get some eyeballs on this comic thing. For me, the Iceman story felt like, no, this is natural. If, If it brings more attention, great. But that's almost secondary. Right. For us to find out like now that like, yeah, Superman is actually gay. Like, I might believe he's bisexual, but there's sure. a long established history of him and Lois that just leads me to believe probably not at this point. Uh, and, and you make an important point. Like, as long as the story fits, I'm willing to let a lot of things go. Um, and I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about that with Batwoman mm-hmm. coming up because they've made some decisions that for me were remarkably questionable with Batwoman, not so much in the Rebirth run, but in prior incarnations. Well, why don't we actually go ahead, you know, this this is a great segue, Callie, but yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about, uh, you know, Batwoman, both at large and, you know, uh, from the respective issues that we've read. I'm obviously most familiar with Rebirth, 
Um, but what are some of these issues that uh, stand out in your mind, Callie? Well, and I mean, Ben, you might be able to speak to this a little bit as well, but obviously there was, I, I think it was the Rebirth run that had uh, DC step in and can her... Yeah. Uh, her marriage mm-hmm. uh, in that run, she was getting married, and it was everyone was pretty on board with it. It was a big moment, like oh my god, a lesbian wedding in DC Comics, and DC stepped in and basically told the writers, "Nope, yeah. you're not doing that." And when they quite reasonably demanded why, that's the story we've been writing so far. They were told uh, she's a member of the Bat family, and they cannot have a happy resolution. <laughs> they can't be happy, yeah, yeah, they can't be happy. And that and that was at a time when DC was poo-pooing a lot of marriages. I remember Aquaman couldn't be married, Superman mm-hmm. couldn't be married, but that's like almost to simplify it that way, to say like, you can't do this story because none of our characters are allowed to be married. It's ignoring, number one, the story that's been told in this series already. Like, why would you suddenly make this decision? But also, like you just said, Kelly, this is like, this is important. It's important to show these strong lesbian characters who have a great relationship and being able to take their relationship to the next level. I wish they could have seen past their kind of the short sightedness and just seen right, that this is a great story to be told. Absolutely. Like that's, that, that's the problem, right? Like, like they're like we in the LGBTQ community are looking at it and going, okay, so yeah, I understand that you're, you know, canning Aquaman's marriage and yeah. now there's problems with, you know, Superman and Lois and all that stuff. Okay. Well, I never had one, you know, to start with. <laughs> I never had a fun marriage to look at, to have get canned. So if we're, if we're talking like, if you had three other lesbian couples that were married and it was great then and they fine. were doing their thing. And then you tell me, you know what? We can't let Batwoman do it because she's a member of the Bat family. I'm more willing to listen to that argument. Right. If you're putting them on, on a scale, the balance of what could benefit from doing this versus the the potential harm, it's so skewed. Like, this could do so much good, whereas the harm is just, yeah, there's a member of the Batman family married. There's been a lot of weird stuff done with members of the Batman family. I've read stories from the 60s where he had a zebra costume. I don't think Batwoman getting married is going to fundamentally hurt the Bat family. Well, I mean, isn't that the great part about some of these, like, long-tenured products, right? Like, yeah, sure, that's what's going to kill the character. Come on! Like, I, I, I had to read about Superman's, like, ultra-ventriloquism powers, Ugh. and this is what's going to kill yeah, it? Yeah, and he I survived. Don't think so. Exactly. So... Uh, you know, uh, speaking of uh, something else that I actually had just read today uh, as I was getting ready to play on the show and getting ready to record is that uh, Alex Sanchez actually has a new Aqualad book coming out. Uh, Jackson Hyde, I think, is the most recent Aquaman. Uh, and this book is uh, titled You Brought Me the Ocean. And it's actually going to be a story about uh, Jackson sort of coming out uh, and, and, and learning how to sort of accept and, uh, you know, live in the world as a gay man. Um, have either of you actually seen any of this yet, or is this the first that you're hearing about it as well? This is the first I'm hearing of it, but I think that sounds great. I think the Aqualad character, um, the new Aqualad character, Jackson Hyde, this is important because actually just speaking to what, what Callie was just saying about the representation of, you know, a married lesbian couple, I think it's important that, you know, Aqualad is a character of color, but also probably more prominently to me, it's a young character. And I think these stories of it, 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 it's fine to have Iceman and Batwoman out and exploring their sexuality as adults. But I think it's very important to young readers to say, hey, here's a young hero who is finding his place in the world a little bit earlier. And this might be something you're experiencing right now. So I think it's an important story to be told. 
All right, well, actually, you know, coming up here on the show, we're going to take a very short break. We're going to talk a little bit more to Callie about some of her experiences uh, with comics and how they fit into her life and the way that the industry is sort of going forward with representation recently. So stick around. We'll be right back. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Hey, what's up? It's James. And Robbie. Hey, and it's Weird Beard. And we're bringing you a brand new radio show called Checkpoint XP. You don't have to be an expert, even though I am. And we're here to give you everything you need to know about the world of video games. Interviews from the biggest professionals and your everyday gamers. We've got you covered at Checkpoint XP. Whether you're a professional player or somebody who hasn't played in a while, we have something for everybody. Hang out with us at Checkpoint XP every single week on your radio. Find out where we're playing in your hometown at our website, CheckpointXP.com. So if you're looking to have some fun and talk about video games, we got the rundowns for things that matter to you. Checkpoint XP. Your home for esports and gaming. Got it that time. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. For the latest in Overwatch League action, check out the Owl's Nest with me, Robbie Landis, and my co-host, Jake Lyon. For new episodes every Friday at CheckpointXP.com or download from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome back to The Other Eye Identity. We are joined, of course, by former host of the show, Callie Sloan. Callie, we're so glad that you were able to join us once again. I think we need a title. Identity. We need, like, like, like alumni or honored... Uh, You're right. Former, oh, yes. former guest or, or former host. Just doesn't, doesn't really, cut it. Doesn't, doesn't cut really it. Doesn't what cut do it. they call it, like, when someone comes back to the Justice League who's no longer a member? Back from the dead? I think... I th- <laughs> <laughs> Rebirth. Yeah, that's what they call I it. Think, I think Callie should be a leaguer emeritus or something like that. <laughs> Put emeritus so, in the title and it'll sound better. Yeah. So how does it feel being being back on the show here with us, Kelly? Uh, I got to actually send a big uh, shout out to Ben, who I, Robbie, Ben has made you nicer. You were way nicer <laughs> than when I left. Uh, it's an ongoing struggle, you know. It, it, well, it's just, it's, you know, when when you and I did the show, you were my sidekick. You're very whereas, contentious. Whereas, whereas me and Ben are more like. I guess equal sort colleagues. of uh, colleagues. You know what, Kelly? Kelly, I'll, so. I'll take the compliment. I'm definitely trying to <laughs> groom his mar- manners a little bit better. And 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 credit to Robbie; he's been very receptive to uh, to becoming a kindler, gentler Robbie, and we appreciate it. Well, that's it. Not no more. That's <laughs> next week. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for ruining this for me. Yeah. So just doing my part on my yeah. one episode back. So, Kelly, um, you know, as a member of the LGBTQ, uh, yes. uh, how have comics sort of fit into your life? You know, you, you actually worked at a comic shop for quite some time as well. So, yeah, right. Like, I uh, spent four and a half years working in a comic shop, and 
growing up, I loved comics as, as a younger kid, and then I got to be, like, you know, 10, 11, 12, I would say, when I started getting really more into, like, video games and film, and I stopped reading comic books, so, but when I came back to it, I had at least a little bit of, uh, of, uh, you know, pretense for it. I understood, you know, who the superheroes were and, like, who were some decent writers, at least from my era. Now, that said, I was also, you know, reading a lot in the 90s, which I don't consider exactly a golden age of comic books. It was for but, those of us who lived it, Callie. It was for those of was, us who lived it. Yeah, exactly. It's a golden age for those of us who had no other exactly. options. If you're going back uh, and checking it out, no, but yes. Yeah. At the time. Exactly. We had, like, Venom show up, and that's about <laughs> what we had. That's what we can cling to. Uh, so... Uh, obviously, as I started getting back into comics when I started working at the shop, I was starting to really come to terms with gender and with my sexuality. For those who don't know, I am openly transgender. Um, and, you know, comics ended up being a really interesting way of, you know, experiencing parts of myself that I couldn't experience yet in the real world. Uh, not to say that I got a whole lot of transgender role models out of reading comics. That is still something that most comic books have not touched with a 10-foot pole. But uh, especially as far as, like, uh, queer relationships, if we look outside the realm of superheroes, there are many of them to be found. One that always springs to mind for me is uh, Sunstone, which is done by uh, Japon Sage. And that series, although very inappropriate for younger eyes is such a good telling of, like, a lesbian relationship and a mature telling of, like, a bondage relationship that I I was really blown away by that one. And it's one that really shaped a lot of my viewpoints of, like, entering the LGBTQ community. Well, that kind of actually pushes into the next question that that I planned on asking you, which was, uh, you know, were there any stories that have resonated well with you outside of uh, Sunstone, I suppose? Yeah, so another one that really uh, comes to mind is, I mean, like, so first of all, Batwoman. I've always appreciated Batwoman because, you know, she is unapologetically gay, and if you don't like it, deal with it. So I'm I'm all about characters like that. Uh, One thing I have come to learn about myself is I have a bit of a type, and that type is if you are a woman who looks like she could pick me up and break me over her head, (laughs) uh, yes, please, I'll take two. So... Uh, I, I've always enjoyed Batwoman, but another one uh, is a more recent one. So I was a huge fan of the Life is Strange uh, uh, video game by Don't Not Entertainment. And uh, one of the things that always bummed me out is the pretty much the accepted canon ending is the ending that I didn't choose. Uh, I chose true love like any you know human with a bit of fi- uh, moral fiber would do. <laughs> but uh, so following the series, uh, a writer by the name of Emma Vicelli... Uh, created a Life is Strange continuation that follows if you had chosen true love at the end. And it's it's a continuation of Max and Chloe's story uh, and them living out the consequences of the decisions that they made. And that series has just blown me away. Like, every issue of that series, I'm, like, in tears by the end of it. Just, like, like damn it, Emma, let them be happy. I hate you so much, <laughs> and I love you so much. Like... It's, it's a love-hate relationship, and that's the relationship I feel like you should have with the content creators that you love most, right? You should if – if they're just giving you everything you want all the time, that's not the relationship that I want. I don't want to be pandered to. I want someone who's going to challenge me and make me kind of work for the things that I want. When, when I finally get that payoff, I want it to mean something. You, you know, that's actually an interesting take because, uh, uh, you know, just a little while ago when we were talking about Batwoman and how DC basically said, look – 
the Bat family's not allowed to be happy, and that's why she can't get married. You know, letting them get married and showing some of the struggles that come from married life, especially being married to someone that's part of the Bat family, you could have had both. You could have let that marriage happen, but then, you know, still went down a path or told stories where, uh, you know, Kate Kane struggled to find happiness in, in you know, the world that, that she was right. in. Right. Well, I mean, it's like when you look at, like, Catwoman and Batman, right? Like, do do you really find Batman to be just way less interested interesting when he's involved with Catwoman? I feel like it creates a lot of really interesting conundrums for him. I think that's some of the most interesting writing I've seen is uh, it's the... Um, the right after the war of jokes and riddles in the in the rebirth uh, not the yeah the rebirth yeah rebirth run, run yeah uh, yeah right after the war of jokes and riddles when he you know finally confesses this and gets together with Catwoman I thought that was super interesting stuff and apparently I was alone in that <laughs> I, I think there's this perception that we need to move past that this whole thing about comics are for kids and if comics are for kids they don't want to read about people who are married and they don't want to read about people with kids and. I just think that's such a backwards way of looking at comic book creation. Number one, everyone's reading comics. Adults, kids, uh, and everything in between. But the other thing is, for me, as a kid, reading about Spider-Man being married to Mary Jane, that didn't make him somehow reductive to me. That made him like, oh, okay, this is this is an adult. This is the struggles he's going through. And like you just said, Callie, about Batman and Catwoman, to me it made him infinitely more interesting because he had consequences to the things that he was doing. He had another person he had to take care of. And I think it's important to have that not just for the straight kids, but for kids who might be questioning their sexuality. I want to see an example of a healthy gay marriage or an unhealthy gay marriage so right. I can get a sense of, you know, this is this is something that might be coming my way in the future and I want to live it I want to live it out through comics. Ben, what you're talking about is representation, which we talk about all the time, and not a whole lot of people take the time to understand what it actually means and why it's actually so important. So if you guys don't mind, I'd love to share a story from my, my own life about why representation Please. is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. The first thing I'd like to say just really quick, though, is this yeah. is why Callie used to be a host of the show. Because the next question that I have here that I'm <laughs> just about to lead into is where do you think the industry is right now with its representation? So with that in mind, please, Callie, go ahead. Okay, so uh, I said before that I am a transgendered individual, and the truth of that, you know, so you see the stories sometimes about the kids who are six, seven, eight years old, and they already know. They already know I'm, I'm, I'm not the right. I'm not supposed to be a boy. I'm not supposed to be a girl. They, they just know. I was not that fortunate. I did not know that that was the problem so early on. And to be truthful, even into my teenage years, I had no concept for what a transgendered person was. I'd never heard the term. I never had seen someone who I knew as trans. I had no idea what it was. And so I could not begin to comprehend that that was the reason that I looked in the mirror and saw a stranger every day. You know, I, I talked to my parents and I said things to them like, I don't like the way that I look. I don't like what I see. Something's wrong. And they reasonably looked back to me and said, yeah, you're a teenage boy. Of course you don't. No one likes the way they look in, when they're going through puberty. That's life. But, of course, now I know that wasn't actually the issue. So I went to college, and I started getting real depressed again, and I went and saw a therapist for the first time. And that therapist told me, you know, you're uh, struggling to adapt to college life. It'll pass. It's a phase. Well, it wasn't a phase. Instead... I got super depressed, super dark, and super suicidal. That's what happened instead. 
You know, it took literally one of my friends having the courage to say to me, if you don't go see another therapist, I will show these chat logs to your parents and let them deal with it because I'm terrified you're going to do something bad to yourself and I won't forgive myself. And I hated that person for many years. I cursed them out. I called them a traitor. And I told them basically to go to hell. But not wanting to deal with my parents seeing them, I did in fact go see a therapist and that changed my life because my therapist happened to have a daughter who was trans. And that truly, truly saved my life. And the reason I say that story is because, man, would my life have been easier if at 12 years old I'd read a comic book with a transgendered character in it? Would that have, if, if I'd had a show like Steven Universe on TV that could give me a concept of what an alternative gender looked like at the age of 12, man, would my life have been different. Maybe I wouldn't be starting my transition at 30. Maybe I'd have started it at 14. You know, like, representation is so incredibly important. And it's, it's easy to, to, you know, be cis, white, het, male and not understand that importance because you have so much representation. But to the transgendered kid out there who's just struggling to figure out why they look in the mirror and see a stranger, man, could that go a long way for them. So looking at some of the, the representation that, that we've been seeing, you know, recently, you know, we've talked about Iceman, we've talked about Batman, you know, legacy characters that have been part of our canon and part of our world for a long time. And then you look at some of the most recent characters that are going to be coming out, such as uh, Safe. Uh, space and snowflake which again you know we poke a little bit of fun at but uh, again their inclusion is important in this world do you think that it sends a stronger message when you know these longer more endemic characters are are brought into the uh, uh the world of representation or when new characters are brought in so i think it sends a very strong message when they utilize some of their older characters and and we you know reveal that they are trans or gay or lesbian or bisexual or asexual whatever it happens to be because you know I don't like the idea that all of this started to appear in the year 1999 I don't like the idea that we you know becoming being gay or being trans suddenly started happening in the 2000s. It doesn't seem very likely to me. It's it's just not the case. I think it sends a much stronger message that these people have been around since the beginning of comics because they have been. The difference is, relatively speaking, I can safely come out of the closet in the year 2020 versus, you know, in 1995 where coming out of the closet is basically admitting I'm just going to be impoverished and probably killed at some point. Like, it's not a good place to be. So I, I think it says it's a big message when you're willing to take a character like Iceman. I think Iceman's a great selection for that and say, hey, you know what? It's a character who's never had a, a series of really good relationships. Maybe it's time to explore why. Kelly, I want to ask you this is from my perspective as someone who worked in the industry. Um, I just remember that when I when I started and I started around 2005, it was a lot of straight white male lead characters, a lot of straight yep. white male creators. And to see where we are in 2020 is heartening. Just the different voices that are out there as well as the different representation. Mm -hmm. But I want to know from your perspective, what, what still needs to happen? Because I think it's great the progress we've made over the past 15 years. But instead of uh, patting ourselves on the back and being, all right, everything's fixed, what still needs to happen? Well, I think, you know, it, it starts with who the creators are themselves. You know, if, if you want to have 
you know, a transgendered superhero. How about a transgendered writer come in to write them? I think that would be a, a good first step. I feel like they're making a lot of the right steps with characters like Batwoman, uh, with characters like Iceman. I mean, look at the the Batwoman CW show, right? Obviously, Ruby Rose is stepping away for reasons we still don't entirely understand, and it breaks my heart because that type I was talking about before, uh-huh. Ruby Rose, is that in spades. <laughs> right. Uh, but they've already recognized, hey, whoever we bring in next, she will also be a lesbian character. You know what I mean? Like this, this new version that they're writing of Batwoman will also, because that's an important identity to Batwoman. And so while they're not going to just replace Kate Kane, they don't want to just scrub out a lesbian character and then replace it with another straight woman. And I really appreciate that. It, it is a big thing. I So I think, like I said, they're taking the right first steps. They're, we're still kind of at the genesis of this, just like we are in so many facets but it's so important that they get this right because as you guys mentioned earlier everyone reads comics and gen z and the generation after them already are starting to come up and begin to be comic book readers and like you think the millennial generation is queer like (laughs) have you seen gen z they don't give a shit about gender and they don't give a shit about your sexuality like they are the most open generation i've ever seen so if you think you're gonna get that generation hooked with a bunch of straight white males keep dreaming like (laughs) you're not gonna that's not gonna happen hold on i think that's a good note to end on dc marvel anyone out there if you're listening we need more pride in our comics kelly thanks once again for coming back and joining us on the other identity it's been a pleasure thank you for having me guys it was great to have you And, of course, this isn't the last time that you've seen Callie. We will definitely have her on in future episodes for sure. But that's going to be it for this week, guys. Remember to tune in next week. Same other identity channel, same other identity time.